Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is Ethan Lee, and this is For Whom the Podcast Tolls. This is the official podcast of For Whom the Cowbell Tolls, which is SB Nation's Mississippi State community. I am your host and the managing editor of For Whom the Cowbell Tolls. On today's show, we are going to discuss some season preview stuff for 2016. We're going to take a look at Mississippi State's first four opponents, preview a few positions. To wrap up the show, I will answer some listener questions that we get from Twitter. So jumping right in, we're going to take a look at the season preview. We're going to preview four teams today and then four teams coming up and then another four teams after that. Um, you know, I went through Bill Connolly's S&P predictions and all of his wonderful stuff, and he's got a lot of great stuff. If you haven't checked that out, go look at you know the entire SB Nation college football magazine. A lot of great content, a lot of great stuff there. Um, but jumping right in, using him as a source, uh, and then also some other research I've done. Um, looking at South Alabama, they're the first team on the schedule. They're coming to Starkville September 3rd. Um, looking at the Jaguars down in Mobile, they're not a great team. You know, A couple of years ago, we played them 2014. They put up a bit of a fight. They had a pretty good quarterback back then. We had a pretty good quarterback back then. Um, but since then, they've kind of fallen off a little bit. They're a relatively new program to the FBS ranks, relatively new football program in general. But as a whole, you know, they went 5-7 and seven a year ago, and they're just, they're just not that good right now. Um, you look at them, you look at the predictions that Bill Connolly produced, they're expected to go, you know, 4.5 wins this year, and that's through a variety of factors that Bill Connolly puts together. Wonderful stuff. If you haven't checked it out, go check that out now. Um, but, you know, looking at, looking back at the Jaguars, they have some good pieces here. Uh, they ended up getting a good tight end from UAB when UAB collapsed because of Alabama's tyranny and so on and so forth. Um, they have a good receiver. They have a couple of good running backs. So they've got some good pieces in place for an offense. Outside of that, you know, they don't have a quarterback. Um, and their offensive line doesn't have a lot of talent there. And then their defense as a whole, not really their strong suit. Um, when you look at their offense, you've got the combination of the running backs of Xavier Johnson and Tyrese Thomas. You know, these two guys complement each other well. Johnson ran for just under 1,000 yards last year, got seven touchdowns, 6.6 yards per carry. Thomas complements him pretty well. He's a little bit of a bigger back by like 30 pounds. Um, he ran for five, 552 yards, a couple of touchdowns, uh, and 4.9 yards per carry. These two guys running behind, you know, not really talented, but somewhat experienced offensive line that has three seniors uh four of which that have made restarts return they have they're bringing with them combined 52 com career starts so a pretty good returning cast for the offensive line not great um again they don't have a lot of talent they don't really have a lot of talent on their entire roster because of the program that they are but you look at them and you think they might be able to piece an offense together you look at their receiving core uh, they have a couple of good weapons in Josh McGee and their tight end, Ger Ger blah, blah, blah. I can't talk. Gerald Everett. Um, they're two seniors that combined for over 1,000 yards a year ago. Everett, tight end, 
had eight touchdowns. He's going to be a pretty good red zone threat. I'm not looking forward to whoever has to cover him. And then Josh McGee had three touchdowns. So, you know, they combined for 11 touchdowns, 1,000 yards. Pretty good duo there. If they can find a quarterback, which they, they don't have a quarterback right now, but if they can find one, that offense might be able to put something together that is respectable. Um, you look at their defense, it was not good last year. They have an undersized defensive line. Their nose tackle is like 5'11 and 270 pounds or something like that. He's not a big dude, and he's supposed to be the biggest guy on the defensive line. Um, so pretty porous run defense, undersized defensive line. They have some small athletic linebackers, but because they're small, they're built more like safeties. So, you know, their front seven, going to be pretty weak. Or front six, depending on whatever scheme they're running. They run kind of a weird defense. And then they have a pretty experienced secondary, but again, not top-tier talent. They have a couple of quick guys, a couple of fast guys that I would not want to go up against. But granted, I am not a SEC receiver. <laughs> so... You look at what Mississippi State might be able to field offensively should be better than what this secondary can cover, especially with all the quick receivers that Mississippi State has. If we can find a bigger receiver, if we can find a tight end, then we should be able to score, no problem. Um, I like the fact that we have an experienced offensive line going up against a pretty weak defensive front seven. I think we can run the ball if we can find a running back. Brandon Holloway should have no problem against this team, despite the fact that you know, he's not an, a between-the-tackles runner. You get him in space, though, should be no problem for him. Um, I'm not too scared of South Alabama. Sure, they'll probably find a way to get to a bowl. They'll take take the over, in my opinion, on that 4.5 expected win total. Go over on that, but they're not going to win this game unless Mississippi State absolutely collapses. And then we probably have something to be concerned about. Um, moving on to the second game of the year, South Carolina, they, yeah, South Carolina is, they're going to miss Steve Spurrier, um, head ball coach, a legend, just phenomenal coach. You can't replace him that easily. And they hired Will Muschamp. So, you know, Will Muschamp, not exactly, I mean, he's not a great coach by any estimation, but he wasn't the worst hire in the world. Um, he has some head coaching experience. He should be able to learn from what he did wrong at Florida, and there was a lot that he did wrong. Um, but, you know, he's got a new chance with the Gamecocks, and the Gamecocks are an interesting team, in my opinion. Um, you know, they're projected to get 5.4 wins, a year ago, they went 3-9. and nine. They forced Steve Spurrier to quit. They broke Steve Spurrier. You just don't break Steve Spurrier, and they did that. Um, but, you know, here it is. They have Will Muschamp, and they don't have an offense. You know, they're looking for a quarterback right now. Perry Orth, the senior, threw just under 2,000 yards a year ago. He had 12 touchdowns but nine picks, and he was sacked 17 times. Um you know, he might end up being the day one starter. I haven't really seen anything. He, uh, he's a backup. He's not likely a long-term starter. He's decent, but he's not good. 
he might be with a better team he could be a game manager but south carolina needs more than a game manager to win games especially with the other pieces on this offense um they have a few talented younger options so it's possible that you know similar quarterback battle here at mississippi state except damian williams is far better than barry orth um but you just don't know what you're gonna get so i i would i would expect there to be a lot of quarterback shakeup throughout the season for the gamecocks unless perry orth somehow becomes a miracle for them um but, you know, Will Muschamp's history with quarterbacks, Kurt Roper's history with quarterbacks at Florida, just wasn't all that good. So, you know, for their sake, they're looking for someone good to pan out out of that mess. I just don't know what's going to happen. They have three or four guys that could win the – they could – yeah, they have three or four guys that could win the job. Um, but you just don't know who's going to get it right now. I don't, uh, you know, Will Muschamp might. And then there's also questions about who's going to be the running back. They lost, uh, I think it was Brandon Wilds from a year ago. They've got David Williams and A.J. Turner. Uh, I think that's correct. I might be wrong on that. Um, but neither of those guys were phenomenal a year ago. They're going to need to find someone. So, you know, if they can find a running back to compliment the quarterback it might work out but again you know i'm going to compare this to mississippi state's case it's similar sort of battle where they're just nothing is set at these two positions but they have nowhere near the amount of talent and you know at least we have some certainty at the quarterback we have options to go to we have some certainty in brandon holloway and you know maybe ashton shumpert but these guys don't really have anything going on right there right now. Um, nothing proven, at least. We've seen some flashes of greatness from Holloway. We've seen some things that are above mediocrity out of Ashton Schumpert. But nothing, you know, nothing anywhere near as bad as what, as uncertain, not necessarily as bad, but as uncertain as the Gamecock uh, battle is. And then receivers and tight ends, they, they've got nothing there. When I say they have nothing, they lost their best receiver in Farrow Cooper a year ago. And, you know, the other guys on the, the roster have caught maybe 100 yards each. You know, they have three or four guys like that. You know, they're not bringing back Fred Ross. They're not bringing back, you know, anybody that has shown up in major games. So they, you know questions at all these major positions and then the, on top of that you know they don't even have a solid offensive line they're replacing three starters so they have a lot of questions for that offense and you don't you don't want to bring in will muschamp to try to find an offense that just doesn't work out it didn't work out at florida where they had a, an abundance of talent just everywhere you know and there's not that much talent here at south carolina um but one thing that the Gamecocks do have going for them, their defensive front seven, that should be very stout. They've got a lot of versatility in this front seven, a lot of experience at linebacker, um, a lot of big guys on the off or on the defensive line. 
Um, and then you throw in Will Muschamp, that front seven's going to be nasty. It's going to cause problems for a lot of different, a lot of different offensive lines. Um, and then add in defensive backs. They're experienced at most positions in the defensive backfield. So I would expect their defense to be pretty good, and it'll be very good at the end of the season. I'm not sold that it's going to be great against Mississippi State, but by the end of 2016, that defense going to be lights out, not something Clemson's going to want to face. But, you know, it's Clemson, and Clemson's probably going to go undefeated this year. Um, but as a whole... You know, the way I look at South Carolina this year, I think they're fairly similar to Mississippi State in a lot of ways. You know, they're going to have to be relying on the defense toward the beginning of the season and maybe towards the end, you don't know. There's some questions at quarterback, running back. Um, there's some unproven things going on at the receiving core. And they're replacing a couple of offensive linemen. So as a whole, you know, I believe that these two teams are fairly similar. Mississippi State just has more talent. Um, particularly on offense. And then, you know, there's also a proven offensive genius in Dan Mullen and Starkville. They don't have an offensive genius in Will Muschamp. I don't know what you're going to do with that. Um, now, you know, I would expect this game, you know, Mississippi State to start off the season 2-0. No problems. You know, maybe a little closer than what we'd like in the first half of South Carolina. I expect us to pull away in the second half. Um, moving on to the third game of the season, the Bulldogs go on the road. They're headed to Death Valley. And, you know, last time we went to Death Valley, it was great. It was wonderful. We really enjoyed that game in the first half. We didn't enjoy it so much in the second half. Still came away with a landmark win. Um, yeah, I we had Dak Prescott. We had Josh Robinson. We had an experienced offensive line. And we had Jamion Lewis, and yeah, um, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty nervous about this game. Um, you know, in one part because going to Death Valley, you just don't really win in Death Valley unless you're LSU um, or Arkansas. Arkansas can beat LSU with Burt Bielema. That doesn't make any sense to me, but. Um, so looking at LSU this year, they're probably going to be a more talented version of what they were a year ago, a more experienced version of what they were a year ago. And a year ago, they were pretty good. Um, you look at Leonard Fournette, you know, there's reports that he's injured, injured a little bit with his ankle. There was a slap boxing video, but, you know, that's nothing major. That's nothing but stupidity. Um, and just Leonard Fournette is going to be Leonard Fournette. I'm scared of Leonard Fournette, especially with the fact that they are, you know, they lost two offensive linemen, but they're still returning, you know, 50 career starts. Yeah, I'm I'm scared of Leonard Fournette. I'm scared of that offensive line. Um, if Brandon Harris could ever put his potential, you know, match his play up to his potential, they could be a very good offense. Uh, a year ago, he threw for like 2,200 yards, something like that. Um, but he had some awful games in the back half of the season. If he could put together some consistency for them, he could probably throw for like 2,700 this year. I that's I'm not joking. Like I think he could play very well if he can play consistently. 
Uh, I think he can put up some good numbers if he could play consistently. He's got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, not just Leonard Fournette, but Daryl Williams and Darius Geis. I may have said that wrong. I'm sorry, Darius. Don't hurt me. Um, you know, they have a loaded backfield. Darius Geis and Daryl Williams, if you look up their highlights, they're not guys you want to try to tackle. They're very, very talented, very, very athletic. Um, and I mean, even if Leonard Fournette is hurt, you're going to have to try to handle those two. That's not going to be easy. You can look up Geis's highlights from, what was it, the, the Texas Bowl against Texas Tech. Granted, Texas Tech has no defense, but these guys just couldn't be stopped. Um, so if Harris can find a way to play halfway decent, keep Leonard Fournette from having to run up against like 10 guys in the box, and then you know, distribute the ball fairly to Malachi Dupree and Traven Durrell, who are very, very talented receivers, that offense might be pretty good. I mean, it was pretty good a year ago. I, I would expect it to be better this year. Um, and that scares me. So, and then, you know, LSU is always known for their defense. They're bringing back a very, very good defense again this season. Their defensive line, always talented, always scary. Always these, like, very big guys. You know, every time you try to run into them, it's like running into a brick wall. They're just these monsters up front. You're not going to run through them. You're not running against LSU. On top of that, they bring back Kendall Beckwith, who had 10 sacks at linebacker position a year ago. He's a senior this year. He's he's also big and mean and quick and terrifying. On top of that, they're loaded and talented in the secondary. They're always ta- you know talented and terrifying back in the defensive backfield. You're not going to throw on them very well. Dak Prescott had a tough time a year ago, and he had two of the best receivers that Mississippi State had ever seen. And then on top of that, he had a healthy Gus Wally, who was also very good at the time. So it's just, it's not going to be easy for Mississippi State to move the ball on this defense. Um, LSU could easily win a national title with all the talent that they have all over the field. But they'll probably still lose to teams like Bama and Arkansas and probably drop at least one more. Um, that being said, I don't think we're going to be that one more. I, uh, I don't like our chances against them right now. I mean, our path to victory is in a low-scoring affair with the Tigers. Our defense shouldn't have problems with the majority of their, off- of their offense. Should be able to lock down Doral and um, Dupree just enough because it's not like Harris can distribute the ball re- reliably from what we've seen so far, unless he's made huge huge strides in the offseason. Um but you're still going to have to score enough points to keep up with Leonard Fournette. And good luck with that, with the Bulldogs still having some uncertainty. So I would expect this game to be, you know, something low-scoring, something ugly, 17-7 to in LSU's favor, something like that. It's not going to be fun. And we'll talk more about this when we get up closer to the game. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not looking forward to playing LSU. They're not going to be... More than likely, they won't be a win like the South Alabama and South Carolina. Then after the LSU game, the Bulldogs will head up to Massachusetts and go play UMass.
Yeah, the Bulldogs are going on the road to play UMass. I'm not scared of UMass. UMass is kind of a nobody. They they don't intimidate me whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, that's all that really needs to be said about UMass. You know, they play, what is it, Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play. That's pretty cool. That's the only cool thing about UMass right now. Um, yeah, I... It's UMass. What do you, what do you, yeah. Um, so State really could easily go three and one these first four games. That'd be a phenomenal start to the season. It'd be a better start than what some people are predicting. And I, I honestly don't see any reason why they shouldn't go three and one right now looking at these teams. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not scared of this front slate of schedule unless your name is LSU then I'm then I'm scared of you so um now let's look at a couple of position groups for Mississippi State we're going to go through uh, what arguably the two best positions for the Bulldogs going into 2016 we're going to look at as a whole the defensive front seven um, I'm going to briefly go over the defensive line and then the linebackers and after that I'm going to answer some listener questions so, the uh, as I said, the, the defensive front seven, that's probably going to be Mississippi State's strong point, like as a whole, um, in 2016 for this season. That's repetitive. Um, yeah, there's some changes going on in the front seven. You know, switching from Manny Diaz's 4-3 to Peter Sermon's 3-4. Yeah, a little bit of questions about how that's going to translate you're losing a couple of starters in Beniquez Brown at linebacker Zach Jackson at linebacker um, Chris Jones and Ryan Brown off the defensive line but you're bringing back a lot of talent um, you've got guys like AJ Jefferson Nick James Nelson Adams Jonathan Calvin Tory Dale Will Coleman and Corey Thomas that's all on the defensive line one, two, three, four, five, six. Six seniors on the defensive line. You're bringing back six seniors on the defensive line. There's a lot of, you know, not just SEC schools, but, you know, schools around the nation that would love to have that kind of talent, experience, and depth on the defensive line alone. And that's not talking about all the newcomers that State has brought in. Um, you know, on the defensive line, they've brought in Fletcher Adams off of a red shirt. You know, he's expected to be pretty good. If I remember correctly, he's the younger brother of Nelson Adams. Um, so, you know, that's always kind of cool to get brothers playing. Yeah. Um, you've got Anthony Mullins coming off of red shirt. Not Dan Mullins. Not, yeah, we're, we're not going into the, the Mullins, Mullin, Strickland, Strickland. Yeah. Um, then you get Kobe Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Trey Brown. Trey Brown is a Juco transfer. Um, Marquise Spencer and uh, I think that's it. Coming in that are newcomers. You know, very good crop of young guys coming in to play defensive front on the, the defensive line. You know, Jeffrey Simmons. It's hard to say Jeffrey Simmons without mentioning some of the crap that he caused that came up. Um you know, everything about Simmons has been discussed at length, so I don't really feel the need to talk about it 
again. Um, I wrote the entire saga, blah, 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 blah. If you want to look up Jeffrey Simmons' saga, go to Google. It's not pretty. He did a lot of stupid things. Um, Dan Mullen has been grilled for it. The university's been grilled for it. Jeffrey Simmons has been grilled for it. It's, yeah. Um, so moving on from there, you just have a lot of talent on the defensive front, a lot of depth, a lot of experience. You're not going to find this blend just about anywhere else. Um, and then, you know, looking at the linebacker position, you're going to get, I mean, you lose Beniquas, Brown, and Zach Jackson, but you bring back Richie Brown, who was the leading tackler a year ago. You've got Gary Green, JT Gray, um, Leo Lewis, Traver Jung, Keelan Chairs, who just got a scholarship. That's a really cool story. If you haven't seen that, go look that up. Um, DeAndre Ward, Errol Thompson, and then Tim Washington, and Josiah Phillips, who is a former walk-on, also got a scholarship with Keelan Chairs. Really cool stories. Go look those up. Um, but as a whole, you know, talented, deep group. Defenses aren't going to want to, or no, not defenses. Offenses aren't going to want to face this group. Um, and it's a very versatile group. You've got a wide variety of talents in here at both positions. You know, it, it's not going to be fun for opposing offenses. It's not going to be fun for offensive lines and quarterbacks and running backs. I would expect this to be a very dominating group which will make it easier for the defensive backfield, especially with some of the rumors flying around about a couple of guys being injured and out for the year. This front seven should make life easier for just about everybody on the Mississippi State team. Um, you know, A.J. Jefferson and Richie Brown are the two that I would really focus on. You know, they have the coolest beards on the team, probably the coolest beards on Mississippi State's campus. But as a whole, they are two seniors they're two leaders i would expect them to have huge presence on this defense um you know, peter sermon is very fortunate to have these two guys richie brown's a renowned leader expect these two to be present and active in a lot of backfields uh getting after quarterbacks getting running backs down in the backfield behind the line i would not want to try to face these guys and I've said that about a lot of guys but <laughs> um, you know, Richie Brown and AJ Jefferson are going to serve the Bulldogs well this season assuming you know they don't get hurt there's always that off chance that they do get injured but as a whole the Bulldogs have a lot to look forward to um, there's there's no real question marks at these two positions um, the one thing that I find most interesting about these two positions is the overlap between them with the Viper position that Peter Sermon is installing and that's a a way for a 3-4 defense to more, run more of a 4-3 defense there are smarter guys out there that can explain it better than I can but essentially you're putting either a defensive end or an offensive offensive an outside linebacker uh, playing as a stand-up defensive end is my understanding of it you know, it's probably not that complicated. You've got a, another pass rusher. Um, there's a variety of guys that will probably play that position, um, ranging from A.J. Jefferson 
big defensive end all the way down to uh, Gary Green or Traver Junk. You know, not small, but smaller linebackers. So you're going to get some different sets. You're going to get a lot of different looks. Peter Sermon is going to be able to move his pieces around the way he wants to, and he's going to be able to mess with a lot of offenses. I would not want to be, you know, for example, looking at South Carolina. They've got a lot of questions on offense. State should be able to shut them down, no problem. So, you know, these are the two positions that the deepest, most talented, most experienced groups, the front seven is going to be nasty. If you're going to try to play Mississippi State, or, well, if you're going to play Mississippi State, you're going to have to try to get past these guys, and that's not going to be easy for most teams. So, um, now on to questions. Do, 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 do. Got to go to Twitter. Do, 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 do. Let's see. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, gosh. There's a lot of mentions in here. Um, okay. The first question. Here's one. When are y'all recording? It's from Lewis at MSU Lewis. Well, Lewis, we are recording right now. And it is it is me. Um, Lewis is a longtime listener. Great guy. Great MSU fan. He's got a I stand with Steve avatar truth and oh gosh <laughs> um so thank you for the question at msu lewis you're awesome dude uh from the large dog kt vanderlip on twitter with a, a trademark with the large dog who's doing the podcast what days will it drop will there be any contest can we talk about dak he's got four questions here um who's doing the podcast i'm doing the podcast <laughs> at least for right now um, still trying to get some things settled. What days will it drop? I'm looking to do it Mondays and Fridays. So Mondays we're going to recap. Fridays we're going to preview. And once we get into other seasons, because there are other, other sports out there that we will cover. Um, I will cover. This is weird. Uh, I miss you, Daniel. But who's doing the podcast? I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be doing it Mondays and Fridays. Look for it then. Um, will there be any contest? I don't know. I'm going to try to do a contest. I'm going to try to do a contest on the blog. We're going to do some cool stuff there, incorporate the podcast with the blog more. Um, so be looking for that. Can we talk about Dak? I'd love to talk about Dak. What What about Dak would you like to talk about, Mr. Vanderlip? I'm, I'm going to wait for your reply. Um, Corbin missed me, apparently. He said, wait, where's Daniel? Daniel's actually taken a step back from the blog. Um, he might be posting occasionally, might not. He's doing a lot of cool golf stuff right now. Um, so he's taking some personal time doing some of that. If he posts occasionally, he posts occasionally. If he doesn't, he's still on Twitter, and you can bother him there. So, miss you, Daniel. You're really good at this podcasting stuff. And we have more questions from Lewis. Um, what took so long? What took so long is I, uh, I've been busy with summer stuff and work and, and stuff. Um, is it possible, next question, is it possible to root for Dak but refuse to be a Cowboys fan? See, this one, I, uh, yes. It's really hard. It's really difficult. I'm a Texans fan. I'm from Houston. Um, 
I refuse to root for the Cowboys. But I'm I'm cheering on Dak because, you know, Dak Prescott, single greatest player in Mississippi State history, one of the greatest players in SEC history, single most underrated player, in my opinion, in SEC history. So, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Dak. Um, will it ever go two days in a row without raining again? I, I can't promise that. I can't say that it won't. Can't say that it will. I mean, I'm sure at some point it will because, you know, drought conditions happen and, yeah. But I, I can't promise one way or the other, Lewis, I'm sorry. Why does it have to be so damn hot? Is this really necessary? Well, it is, it is, what month is it? It's August. It's August, Lewis. It's the 23rd of August. Right now as I'm recording, 24th, as you're probably listening. I don't know if you're going to listen, eh, whatever. Um... Is this really necessary for it to be so damn hot? Yeah, yeah uh, it, because it's it's August in Mississippi. Um, thoughts on Steve's book? You know, good for Steve. Good, good for him for writing a book. I may read it. I may not. I don't really know. It depends on how much time I have. Um, thoughts on Freeze's funeral? Weird. Like, I, I get what Freeze is going for. I get what he's trying to convey. He's trying to tell people, you know, live up to your convictions, so on and so forth. All this inspirational stuff. Weirdest way to convey that message possible. Because he, for those that don't know, Hugh Freeze put on a funeral for himself. Like, that's just morbid. That's just weird. You don't, you, normal people don't do that. I don't get it. Um, why did I not get interviewed for being the new co-host? I don't really know. Um... I didn't know you wanted to be the new co-host. Um, I'm sure we can get you on some time to be a guest co-host. I don't know what your schedule is like, but you know why not get you on to be a guest sometime? We can do that. I can do that because this new format lets me do that fairly easily, I believe. So we will work on scheduling that. You know, the longtime listeners like you, Mr. Vanderlip, Corbin. Um, I'm gonna get some of the other writers on the blog to be guests on the. Yeah, they're going to be guests. Look for Kurt Worth and some other guys. Um, so, you know, why did you not get interviewed? Well, right now I'm hosting it by myself. Still working on getting a new guy. But I'm going to fill it with guests. So there will be guest segments all the time. You will be one of the guests. I'd like you to be one of the guests. I'd like to get John Clark on the show sometime. That never worked out on the last iteration of For Whom the Podcast Holes except once when I was sick or busy or something. But it's going to work on this one. I promise that. Um, should I stop listening because of this? Please don't, because you know it'd be kind of weird for a guest host to not listen, especially when he's a long-time listener. And that's why he's a guest host. And so please, please listen. Um, where is Daniel? Memphis, Tennessee, I believe. That's, that's where he lives. Your next question, should we call child services to find child services to find Daniel? I don't think so. I don't think that's necessary. I'm not hiding him anywhere. He's, he's in Memphis, Tennessee at his home, I believe. Um, a lot of, a lot of mentions from Lewis and Justin Strawn. Hi, Justin. Hi, Lewis. Hi, Bunt Murphy. 
It's not a fat joke. He's... I don't know what he's responding to. Oh. Okay, he's responding to that. Um, and that looks like all of the questions right now. So, that'll do it for this episode of For Whom the Podcast Rolls. Yeah, forgive me, I'm still a little rusty. It's been a little bit. But I'm glad to have y'all back. I'm glad to be back on the show. Hopefully, I can get Daniel back on here at some point. I don't know if he can do it regularly, but I'd like to have him at least as a guest in some capacity. Miss you, Daniel. Miss you, John Clark. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. And stay hashtag very quality, as Daniel Black would say. <laughs>